Welcome to Mono Rants, a podcast where we talk about our love of Amazon superhero show, The Boys. I'm one of your hosts and jack-of-all-trades Mono, and with me is my co-host and master of none, Kira. This week, we're unpacking Season 2, Episode 3, Over the Hill with the Swords of a Thousand Men. As ever, this is a full spoiler chat for both the show and the comics, so, you know, don't at me. Kira, I, I thought it was a whopper. You? I know, I do agree with you about that. Like, it is a great episode. I just feel like it runs kind of short, but that's not necessarily a negative. Sometimes episodes do feel like that. Yeah. It's better than the alternative, like the ending of Lord of the Rings, where the, it's. The 17 million endings yeah, of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, where you were, like, out of your seat in the cinema, oh, no, halfway down the stairs, <laughs> leaning in the door. Yeah, this is very much a it's, a. it's a wham bam, thank you, ma'am kind of episode. Yeah, I would rather have that than the, oh my god, are we done yet? <laughs> yeah yeah and some of the episodes do definitely feel a bit longer or, or just slower mm. paced and this one's got a real fast pace to it and I wonder this Craig Rosenberg was the writer for this episode he's written a couple of times for the show maybe he's getting quite into the swing of it or equally it could just be they've kind of hit their stride as a show no I think even uh, having watched all the episodes ahead of it as well this one just mm. always has struck me as feeling slower to me but I think that's because they're number one you get a lot in this episode whereas the previous episode was was extremely separate in terms of you know Huey's doing his own thing with Starlight Starlight's also got her own thing going on with yeah. the train and that it's all very disparate stories that are all going in, in a million different directions whereas this is everything is brought together and, and becomes one storyline yeah and in terms of kind of like plot points there's only really one or two big plot points in yeah. this episode. But before we get into specifics, I'll go for a quick summary. As the boys try to hand off Kimiko's brother to the CIA, Vought is sent reeling from the public revelation of Compound V. With the Seven now on a collision course with the boys, Annie's loyalty will be tested and Stormfront shows us some of her true colours. So uh, the writing team, well, the writing directing team for this one, Craig Rosenberg wrote, and the director was Steve Boyum. He's got 30-odd credits on IMDb, where most of his work is, you know, kind of eight, nine episodes of things where Black Sails, he's another Supernatural alumni, mm. um, he's worked on the Lethal Weapon reboot. I didn't even know there was a Lethal Weapon reboot, because I was there going, Mov- movie or TV show? No, it was a TV show. Reboot. Was it a TV show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Was um, it any good? I have no idea. I never, I never heard watched of it. it no, so. I knew it was out there, but I never watched it. And he's done a bunch of like cop procedural shows, one and two episodes of, of various like Oh like Law and Order. Law and Order, NCIS, Castle, Bones, uh, a bunch of them. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, he's a first time director for the boys. Okay. Yeah, he he Fun episode. Yeah, he pulled off a good episode. Fun episode. Especially as well. He has a couple of uh, difficulties others haven't had to face because the boys start out three miles offshore on a yacht. I don't know what you call it. It's not a speedboat. It's not like one of those big luxury ones. It's like, I, I take this out for the weekend. I go fishing on it, that kind of thing. Yeah, we, you know, girls sunbathe on it, that sort of. Yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we have canal barges here in Ireland. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> like got, nobody river, has River yachts and a, like small it's boats. A boat. <laughs> yeah. It, um, the name is the most important thing about oh, it. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> my big wet dream. But yeah, yeah, things kick off on my big wet dream. Uh, well, the episode kicks off on my big wet Yeah, you've got Huey standing out the back looking sad. He's not got a believable black eye for having just been floored by... A man of butcher's stature and mm-hmm. training. 
And training, yeah, he should have a big purple and green bubble-eyed goldfish yeah. type of black eye. Like, he shouldn't be able to see through that. He should yeah. have, like, a little, like... You know when you see it in old boxing movies where they're like, cut it, just cut it to get the swelling to go down. Like, that's what he should have. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he it got, should look like a butt on his he, face. He got, he got punched by an ex-Marine filled with rage because he thought this person had just cost him his one chance at getting his wife back. Yeah. Like, you don't get a love tap black eye from that. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> you get, he... You get, he like, looks like he's just broken some, sockets from that. He looks like he's just, you know, gotten some dirt on his cheek. Yeah. But that aside. Butcher he, comes out like he's listening to Billy Joel. I've never heard the song before. I think it's your only human. Yeah. Yeah. He's listening to that, watching the video. Number one, how the fuck does he have reception? Or does he have it saved to his phone? I'm hoping he has it is. saved to his phone because they keep what making, you know, <laughs> well, commenting a, on how far off the shore they are. They're three miles offshore, he says. Yeah. But there's lots of phone calls happening on that boat. I know, but I can't even get like phone reception in like certain parts of my house. Yeah, but that has more to do with the massively thick walls, I think. But yeah, he actually gets somewhat of an apology off Butcher. It is, yeah. You know, it's a very much, you made me do it, but I'm sorry kind of apology. Like he is gaslighting him a good bit in it. He starts and he ends the apology terribly. But the bit in the it's middle... Not, it's not an apology sandwich. <laughs> I know, but that... No, I'm just saying. Because he starts off and he says, you know, you call him a mopey cunt. Then he ends it by being like... He actually says the word sorry and he's like, oh, there, I said it. But in between those two points, I think he is a bit genuine. You know, he says he lost his temper. He shouldn't have done it. And both those things are true. Both those things are true, but that grin at the end, I would have punched him too. And it's the dare I said it that nearly ruins the whole apology. Dare I said it, and then he's like, winky, winky, like... Yeah, and Huey goes for him. (laughs) And Huey tries to hit him so hard, he knocks himself over, so fair play to him for that, because that is like a fucking, that's a haymaker. Like, you can hear it coming. Yeah, and it is, it's Billy's response, or rather lack thereof. Yeah, he lets him have it. That makes me think that the apology was at least intended to be genuine. Mm. You know, because he's he's not angry this time. He's not losing his temper and he just he doesn't swing back for Huey at all. Mother's milk getting in between the pair of them is hilarious because I didn't realise just how... Well, no, not that how short he is, but the fact that... How tall Huey is? Well, I knew... he. Yeah, but he's so freaking gangly as well that it's like deceptive for how tall he is. Yeah. Because he tends to hunch quite a lot. Mm. Also, how tall Butcher is. And Butcher's more of a block. Yeah. Because in the comic books, the depictions of Mother's Milk, he is this giant of a man. Oh, yeah. And Lazalonzo has this great, great presence. But then when you see him with other people, you're like, oh, fuck yeah, you're you're kind of tiny. I, I wouldn't mess with him. I wouldn't mess with him either. He's built like the backside of a barn. But just watching him get in between two people who are literally staring at each other over his head <laughs> true. is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, it's Like true. when he's trying to hold him back and he's literally just reaching over him like when he's trying to hold back Huey and Huey's like, no, I can still get you. <laughs> but yeah, no, M.M. kind of is like, no, you need to, to just stop. And he just turns around and he's like, just leave, will you, please? Because Butch <laughs> just stood there. Yeah. Antagonizing him. It's if you've ever seen a squirrel annoy dogs. Yeah, it's, and he's it's, it's just doing that. Presence. He's like, "Oh, you can't get me. You can't get me. You can't get me." And uh, no, I think he's just too. He has no fucking. He has no idea how to deal with somebody as sensitive as Huey. And he's I don't no mean idea that. How in a... to deal with people in general. Well, yeah, but he can he can deal with MM and he can deal with with Frenchie. He he doesn't know how to properly deal with Huey. Mm. So. <laughs> He kind of just stands there and, and looks at Huey, like, swinging at him. And 
MM, as you said, has to be the one to be like, leave. He's only going to calm down when you're not fucking here. But yeah, so he leaves and he gets a call from Grace. Or Uh, he calls Grace. I'm not too sure who calls who, but it's to inform him that he has to, the the CIA contacts will come out and pick up the Kimiko's brother in a few hours. And he's like, Jesus Christ, like I can't hold on a few hours. Yeah, she says, look... I'm not I'm a civilian I can't just push a button anymore but obviously she still has enough holds to be able to get well enough sway to be able to get a team out to them mm. there's not much is there's not much else going on in that conversation she does she do, well she says oh, there's ex- two important bits that yeah. she says um, A what she says to him about the um, Kimiko's brother that mm. the fact that he is Kimiko's brother is that not going to be a problem mm. and Butcher's response to that being that oh well I'll neutralise her if I have to but before we get on to that point you noticed in the first episode when Huey leaves the Haitian King's compound and he walks past the pawn shop and all the comic books. There's, there's the an poster ad for, for Liberty perfume. perfume. Yeah, Liberty Perfume. And you, I think you said it off air. I don't think it was in the episode. I didn't know because I went to go. I meant to go back and check it out and I forgot to because I wanted to know was that a reference to Liberty, the old superhero, or did it just happen to be coincidental coincidental but given the nature of the set dressing of this show yeah, nothing seems I should have known better yeah nothing is coincidental in the set dressing of this she, show she asks Butcher of did she does he has he ever heard of an old soup a 1970s soup, soup called, named Liberty yeah and he says no why and she says eh, you know maybe it's important maybe not that's all we get now yeah but yeah, you picked up on that in the very first episode. There was already a little hint dropped mm. towards her. Yeah, it's just as he leaves the pawn shop, it's up on the wall. But yeah, the important thing that everybody else hears from the conversation, well, but Frenchie certainly, mm-hmm. and Kimiko hear him say that he will neutralise her if, if he If her allegiance, to. yeah, if her allegiance is in question, he'll neutralise her. And he turns around and Frenchie's just stood there like, what? Yeah, and oh, it's just a figure of speech, mate, is what he says. But no, it, this is this is Becca here. Becca's on the line. Butcher's going to do whatever Butcher's got to do to get Becca back. And Kimiko also hears him because she's coming down to go and see her brother and give him some water. So she just like death glares him. And I don't think they've kind of realised just how unkillable Kimiko is. She seems to be fairly like, I think the best bits of her are removed. Well, but I don't even think Butcher knows. I don't even think Butcher knows because... Butcher there when she got stabbed? Nope, it was only Frenchie and I don't... Frenchie may well have told him but we certainly didn't see Frenchie telling him mm. and that was recovering from an iPhone. so Butch is probably thinking you know I can pop two or three in her head yeah, but so- they've already made the point that killing soups is not easy if it was they would have killed more of them by yeah. like look at all the trouble that they went through with fucking translucent but have have we ever seen Butcher not be over cocky and confident no. Butcher thinks he can do everything. But yeah, then we see Kimiko go off to talk with her brother. Yeah, and the, the poor bastard's trussed up like a Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah. He, uh, Between he's... the chains actually rendering him immobile to the big duct tape mittens yeah, so he to can't... stop him using his hands because he seems to be a sort of magneto-y. He can manipulate... I don't know if it's just that he can manipulate gravity or if it's metal because... I, the I think boat was metal. The can is metal. Later on, I'm I, not a hundred percent. I think I think it's just very powerful telekinesis controlled by his hands. Uh, that's that's what it comes across yeah, as to he, me. Um, she gives him. She has a cup of water. Tries to give him some of it. He's not really that bothered by it. And then you get some quite sweet interaction between the siblings. 
Yeah, where she tells him that, you know, she's there to take care of him. Mm. And she reminds him of how she used to steal rice for him when he was so hungry he'd cry. And then he counters with, yes, but when they came to punish you for the rice, I told them it was me and they broke my hands. And again, a little deliberate bit of foreshadowing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, his point is, no, we took care of each other. Yeah, they're all that each other has. Their parents were murdered in front of them. She's been horribly scarred for life. God knows what happened to him. God knows what's happened to her in the interim of leaving that camp to them finding her in that basement. You know, it's safe to say neither of them have exactly had a pleasant upbringing. No, and as we saw in the last episode, when she saw that shining light guy, the first thing she did was rip his head off. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then when she found the, the crane... Mm. she knew it was him straight away but she's also you can see the sadness in her that he's been radicalised and he's believing it because he gave her the big speech in the previous episode about you know you weren't there when they came from the sky and they weren't there to liberate us they came to kill us all Mm. and he tries suits aren't, aren't the answer and now he is one he's everything he's loathed yeah and he's he tries to play on her emotions and get her he says you know that the, the, the Americans are going to torture me and you can't protect me all you it's can not do even is... that the Americans are going to torture him the CIA will ship him out to a black site where he will never ever be seen again and then yeah they're going to they're gonna torture him yeah uh, well, but I mean even just being imprisoned for no reason other than having been given V against your will because mm-hmm. up to this point he hasn't done anything wrong he said he wants to harm America but mm-hmm. he hasn't done anything wrong he has already hurt people like in the CCTV footage of him oh sorry the, yeah duh of him <laughs> dropping the boat on the Haitian gangbanger yeah, yeah that was a slightly unnecessary response yeah given and how he powerful he is do, yeah he could have just knocked him over with his hands and walked away yeah it, it, it's Homelander and the laser vision all over again every every response doesn't have to be excessive yeah, the proportionate response in the world of the boys doesn't seem to be a thing. <laughs> no. no, and we definitely discover that later on in this episode. Oh, yes, we do. But we'll no. save that for later. But, but it is, it's like, it's nice to see more of Kimiko on her own and her personality. And she cares yeah. for him and she's crying because she doesn't believe him. And she gets up and she leaves the room. Um, be, because well, like she doesn't. No, she doesn't leave. They just kind of sit. She sits, rests her head on her shoulder. Yeah, and um, it's just a very nice little moment of quiet. And that's that's when we we move on from the boat, and we see a really short scene of a train partying in the club. Oh God! Number one, he's wearing his fucking sunglasses inside. Oh yeah, the that's... international symbol of a douchebag. Yeah. And it, it might just be me, but the guy who who's sitting beside him, who's like, you know, I giving him the money. Brother. No, it's not his brother, but it looks like a bigger buffer version of his brother. And I'm like, did you just go and find some dude? No, when you when he comes in, you remember like when he raced Shockwave and he's got all his. Yeah. It's and they're basically of... all styled like Eddie Murphy's entourage from like the Raw video. <laughs> yeah. You're They've not all wrong. got the Teamster jacket. Yeah. And they're all like in the slacks and they're all unbelievably cool. But yeah, I just, I thought it was funny that his main guy in the entourage in that scene looked an awful lot like his brother. Yeah, he presumably has had nothing. Yeah, because you haven't seen his brother. Like you just, Not since he stormed off. No, and like even after the massive heart attack, there's been no sign of his brother. Mm. Um, but he gets up, he leaves the club, he's saying hi to everybody. I just adored the fact that when he opens that door, it's like midday outside. <laughs> yep. And a bus goes past going, with his one. Saving America for it's the Tech Night movie. I missed that. Yeah, as he walks oh, out the door, one. there's a bus going past. Remember, they had the whole thing in the previous episode. With but Tech Night lives the premiere. 
and it's saving America or saving the world. Yeah. That whole thing and it's saving America and uh, it's, a, it's an ad for that on the side of the bus and you just catch the big saving shame. America. I miss that. I miss that. Um, and yeah, then he starts to have his freak out because he should not be up and running around. No, he has like, his he's heart having, starts beating super fast and his, it, it all goes blurry. He's, and, yeah, he's almost having like a panic attack. Yeah, palpitations. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, he's sweaty. He's losing vision. He's like thing. He's not a well bunny. He shouldn't no. be up and about, let alone drinking like a fuckload of stuff and running. Yeah, and putting his heart under more strain because they probably just pumped him full of V to fix him. Probably, yeah. Because they were saying his bone. His brother had said something about how his bone density and everything was gone yeah, his to bones, shit. Yeah, but yeah, it's just a little quick kind of catch up with A Train before we're we're treated to our our happy family breakfast. Oh, happy family breakfast, which was so uncomfortable. I've had a few of those. But every time Becca offers Ryan something and oh, Miller's like, oh yeah, I'll have that. Yeah, mmm, Can lovely. I just point out there's an excessive amount of food on that table? If she's like, When she puts the waffles in, it's like, breakfast is ready. He's already half finished something. I think he was eating bacon. There's like fruit, I'm... there's juice. But it's that atypical American sitcom thing. <laughs> Of oh, having way too much food. Way too much food. In fairness, I, I'm i terrible. I have like three cigarettes and a cup of coffee for breakfast. It's, I think as well, it's just, it's the tendency for set decorators to over Breakfast is our moment! Well, no, just to over decorate because they'll be like, well, yeah, if all they're having is pancakes, all that's going to be on the table is like, realistically, is a plate for each of them and a plate of pancakes. And the set and decorator is probably looking at them like, going, no, that looks too empty. Fruit. Throw a pineapple on there and throw some fruit on yeah. there and throw some waffles on what? there. But I'm going to take a page out of your book and focus on some minutiae here because I have questions. Why? Well, a, a couple of allusions have been made to the fact that nobody's seen Homelander for days. Yeah, he's just gone missing. They, they're, did, they're covering for him. Did he bring spare suits to Becca's house? Or has he been in a fucking skanky, smelly-ass suit for the last three or four I, days? I don't know. I don't even know how he pees in that suit. I don't think he can take that suit off. I think it's bonded to his skin. <laughs> Who knows? No, is he it, is we've, it home? We've, seen him, we've seen him at least pull the pants down. Oh, sure. In Stillwell's yeah. office. I want to know where he stayed. Well, he's, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he's been at that house since. We've had no real indication since that he's Since he dumped been... um, Butcher. No, 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 no. Since he no, since he had his his uh, fight with Stan and he got oh, slapped down. Oh, and he stormed off like a petulant yeah, child. I, I think I think he's been there since then. Oh God, poor Becca. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you could yeah the the strain of just trying to keep him happy, but he spends that entire breakfast undermining her. Also, yeah. more of his weird fucking milk, milk station. Mm, milk. Like he's literally. I'm surprised he didn't rate it on mouthfeel. Because he takes a sip and he is like swirling it around and savouring it like people do when they go to wine tastings. Yeah. And then the way he licks his lip at the end is so fucking creepy. Yeah. But uh, that's a fairly short scene. We see Homelander undermining Becca and then he says, hey, you know, forget those boring Spanish breakfast lessons and let's go outside. And for the first time we see Ryan actually... Going with him. Well, actually wanting to. Because as Becca's trying to say, no, no, he needs to learn his, his you know, his Spanish. Ryan cuts across her and says, oh, can I go outside with him, Mom? Yeah. That's the end of that scene. And when we cut to, uh, I think, my favourite scene of this episode, the pitch meeting for Dawn of the Seven. Oh, yeah. So it basically... It's brilliant. 
the first half of this episode is where is everybody right now? Yeah. So the boys are off on a boat, freaking out. Yeah. Homelander's terrorizing Becca. Yeah. Then you've got and the rest we- of the seven. A train's off in a club somewhere dying. <laughs> but he's shown up by the time of the pitch meeting. Yeah, he's gone to this pitch meeting where it's some director. He's got his storyboards. He's doing the thing. Oh, he's so enthusiastic. He's so enthusiastic. About I- everything. Hans Zimmer. <laughs> the, the Hans Zimmer bit was great. And the, the Lin-Manuel Miranda Hamilton bit as I well. I love Hamilton. Everybody loves Hamilton. I love that. It's like, why are you going to do a trailer? Because they're basically pitching this whole thing, which is Dawn of the Seven, which is going to be like the origin movie of the Seven. They're trying to launch an almost MCU style. Well, they have. They have the VCU already. Yeah, they have seen... the VCU and they have Vodify and they have Vod Plus, which is their streaming service. Yeah, but we've seen... We've like across the series up to this point, we've seen talk, uh, we've seen posters for, or we've heard people Individual talk about films. a deep film, at least one translucent film, a Black Noir film, a Citizen Starlight film, mm. upcoming. Homelander says to Ryan he's been in three or four films so mm. much like the MCU they all had their individual outings and now it's time for the team up movie yeah this is like fucking uh, Justice Justice League Assemble or yeah well yeah it's, Avengers, it's Assemble. Avengers Assemble and Justice League crammed yeah, together sorry I mashed the two of them together which has become Dawn of the well, Seven that's what they're doing yeah <laughs> but he's it's so cheesy and he's so into it and Homelander's not there and Ashley's stood behind his chair loving oh, yeah. every moment of it giving it the most and being like that is incredible and the rest of them are just sitting there looking kind of bored what's really really nice is during that whole pitch Maeve turns around looks at A-Chain who's like sweaty yes and not in like a good I've just been working out way in a I'm sick yeah like don't touch me my sweat will burn you kind of way (laughs) yeah like he just not look right and she actually expresses concern like she may not like him but she actually turns around to him and goes you look like shit are you okay? Yeah, Whereas before I, she would have just been like, you look like shit and left it. But now she's actually expressed concern. Or not, not said anything at all. Yeah, but she's actually expressing mean. concern for him as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you picked up on that because I was going to say it as well that it's, uh, it, starting, it comes across yeah. as, yeah, she doesn't phrase it nicely, but it is a, it comes from a place of genuine concern. You've just had a heart attack. I know that, you know, we've mm-hmm. worked together for the last couple of years and yeah, you don't, you don't look too good is yeah definitely how I took it yeah she's actually I think having Annie around has made her realise that she doesn't have to be the bitch yeah all the time like she had said to Annie the bitch role was fulfilled yeah you don't have to always be like that so I think she's starting to realise as well with everything that's going on with Elena being sick and her not being allowed to be herself she's yeah she's remade some human connections yeah so this is all going on he's giving his speech there's like no real kind of notes or anything like that until they get until to... he, yeah he says you know oh what, what do you guys think and Stormfront <laughs> has notes Stormfront Stormfront like has a whole fucking stationary department <laughs> attached to that script between all the little like tabs she's got yeah. all over it yeah there's notes written all over it and he's like oh yeah that's grand we can tweak some lines and she comes out with a brilliant statement about how they can't write women I'll, I'll get the, the audio grab for the that. Audio Don't gra- you worry. <laughs> you write all women as either unknowable Hitchcock bitches or Michael Bay fuck dolls. I mean, I get that a lifetime of jerking off to Transformers didn't exactly make you popular with the ladies, but um, a little effort would be nice. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very true, and it's very much a trope within superhero films that 
the female characters are either Hitchcock in like punching bags or yeah, Michael Bay. Yeah, noble bitches or Michael Bay fuck dolls. I love his response though. His defense is like, oh. hey. I have sisters. Yeah, that doesn't make it better, dude. <laughs> That's like the I have black friends. Yeah. I'm not racist. I have black friends. Like, yeah. No, no, it doesn't matter. You can still be an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Unless you like, you know, actively talk to them about their experiences and, you know, try and, and, and understand things from, from their perspective. How the fuck are you going to know how to write like women or write for realistic women? I do love it, though, because Ashley's about to rip her a new one when she gets she's the like, Well, note. Homelander loves the script. Yeah, she's about to, like, rip her a whole new one when she gets this message on her iPad or phone, whatever Something. the fuck that thing is. And she's like, right, whatever, continue what you're doing, and just leaves. Well, attempts to leave. Oh. <laughs> gets stuck at the big door. Somebody open this, please! I do. I, I have to say, I really like how that kind of revelation is done. Mm. So she, she runs out all panicked and she runs up to... We see she runs up to Edgar. Yeah. And... Straight away, everybody's like, we can get a strategy in place. I can get yeah. damage control. And Edgar's like, I don't know. You're the least of my concerns right now is kind of the attitude she gets yeah, off Edgar. Yeah, just keep the idiots on 99 from ruining anything. But we don't know. I like that we see the panic in Vought before we find out why yeah. they're panicking. Because basically, uh, they're just short of somebody running past on fire. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, it, and there it is because you can hear plenty of chaos in the background Ugh. there's phones ringing and there's, there's high pitched conversations and, and shouting yeah, and yeah like, literally they are past. just mis- missing the person on fire yeah. running past yeah flinging papers everywhere yeah just, no, they're <laughs> doomed and out the window yeah and we don't know what what it is until we cut to Annie in her well it, cu- it cuts to the the, uh, the news report and then as it pans out does it not cut to Annie looking all smug at the no. TV and then swing around onto the no, TV? No, it's the news report initially because that's how you find out what they're all freaking out about. Yeah. Is the revelation that Compound V mm. is a drug that has been injected into babies. And everybody, rightly so, if you're a decent human being, should be like, what the ever-loving fuck? Yeah. So this is breaking news. Yeah, we see. Vought are just fucking that's why shitting Vought, themselves. Yeah, that's why Vought were scrambling. Annie looks very, very, like she's very pleased with herself. QA train. QA train. <laughs> rocking in, being like, was what? this you? Yeah, what? No, 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 not was this you, but, but what, what did, did you, you do? do? He's like, I saw you with the V, and she turns around without missing a beat and says, yeah, but you let me leave with it. Yeah. So this is as much on me as it is on you. And you can see him just sitting down there being like, ah, bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> and then the beautiful blind, you don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the, the money. money. Straight out of the comics. Yeah, you don't fuck with the money. It is, it's true. You don't shit where you eat. And you know we're gonna lose everything. He goes, I'm gonna lose my you know houses, cars, bonuses, the whole lot. And she's like, well, that doesn't matter. He said, that's what people who grew up, grew with, up money with the money always say. It's very telling, and you can see her stop and be like, oh shit. Yeah, she does. She takes that, and a train after heart. A train doesn't approach her with anger when mm-hmm. he comes in. It's like frustration and, and disappointment. disappointment. Like, do you even realize what you've done? Like, I'm not angry at you. I'm just you've you've fucked it so thoroughly. Yeah. And it's it's a very different response to how we first saw it, or when we saw him in the last episode when he sees her with the V the first time. Yeah, and he's threatening her that way. This time it's just like, oh. And it's partly he partly what she says of well, you let me walk with it, so you're just as fucked mm-hmm. if if you expose me. 
he realizes, yeah, okay, he can't do anything. But just it is it. He does seem to be more. He's like, you know, I've 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 worked so hard to maintain this, and we saw everything he was concerned with in the last season about staying in the seven. And now his biggest fears of losing all his fame and getting kicked out of the seven might not even matter because he's going to lose all his fame and fortune because of what Annie did. Yeah. It's seven as a company is his livelihood. It's his yeah. career. It's the basis of everything that he is. Yep. And not just him, like all the other superheroes that they support who maybe through the nature of their ability can't have a regular job or can't do this or can't do that. They're, I'm sure um, without the money for special suits or things like that for yeah. some of them. Oh, yeah. You know, it has a huge, it has a far wider reaching consequences than I think she's realised at that point. Yeah, and we, we start to see a little bit of the emotional impact straight away mm. with the, the first bit of emotion we've ever seen from Black Noir. Oh God! When, when he's, he's sitting, just sitting yeah, there when, and crying. Oh, yeah, that that broke your heart. That broke my heart. That really did because it's this rabbit. You know, even though two episodes we saw him absolutely slaughtering a shitload of people, we we're still like, so oh, Black Noir, it's okay. There's something just so sad about the way he was just sat there sobbing. Because I, I, you, you get, Maeve has mentioned previously that she, about her father. So you knew that she grew up with parents. You know the Homelander didn't grow up with parents. You don't know anything about Black Noir. Uh, I, I, well, I was, yeah, we still don't. Yeah, I was basically going to go with the same route that he was probably lab raised, given the way he is. Yeah. Well, he's it just, it just, yeah, it just, there was something about it really, really was like right in the feels with, with. Black Noir just sitting there sobbing on the floor. Number one, you didn't know he was uh, in any way capable of genuine I'm, emotion. I'm going to assume, given everything we know so far about Black Noir up to this point, he wasn't raised in a lab like Homelander. Because Homelander seems to be the only superhero who knows about V, apart from Ezekiel and A-Train, but they were let in on it. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm guessing they couldn't hide it from Homelander because he was raised in a lab with no parents. But Black Nora, if if you know if, if he knew like Homelander did, he wouldn't be sitting there crying. Yeah. No, I don't know why it was. It just it was it was really sad. Oh, it was. Yeah. Also, and equally. No, in that news report as well, it does state that Vaught have not given a statement, and neither it's the first time you hear about what's happened to Vogelbaum since Homelander's little visit with him at the end of season <laughs> yeah. one which is he's recovering at home following an undisclosed accident but he has also refused to give a statement yeah he's been left paralysed by the accident it says yeah it's like some undisclosed accident has left him recovering at home hmm. but it's the first time that you kind of because the assumption was that he was killed yeah the Homelander <laughs> lasered the shit out of him but no no he just when he said he put the squeeze on him he obviously meant it in a very literal sense oh he polar bear squeezed him <laughs> Yeah, but no, um, we also I, hear from the me, deep it, following on from the revelation and his his story about you know his origins and when, when he got his powers that's also heartbreaking oh god yeah and, and he's, being nine years old and hearing all these creatures just constantly screaming for their life and yeah for hearing release. the goldfish begging for their freedom and then he was saying it started happening more and more the you know aquarium and red lobster and oh the screams and red lobster and yeah that would be that that'd fuck you up that, fuck up that alone head. would fuck you up. Never mind having the gills and constantly being bullied for it or anything like that. Just, yeah, constantly hearing the screams of... And and it makes more sense then as well, his affinity. You know what he's talking about? Like dolphins having regional accents and, and later on when he's so upset about Lucy. Well, yeah, it makes total sense. He's been able to hear these... Yeah, he can... Well, he can talk to them and he's like... Deep's not necessarily a good, uh, bad guy. 
he's he's an idiot. Oh yeah, he's definitely an idiot. But he is he's a good guy and he cares for them because he can actually understand them and he understands their plight. But his whole story about you know thinking he was going crazy and no one else could hear them and he could hear them. And Eagle the Archer is like, oh yeah, I sympathise with you, man. <laughs> he's quite right. He's like, no, you can't. You shoot a bow and fucking arrow. I have gills and can talk to fish. Yeah, I'm. We're amphibious. not on the same level. <laughs> yeah. You fucking nut job. And he's like, oh okay, well then we'll just recite the fifteen commandments. He's like, no, I'm sick of your freaky, scary shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. Pizza. That, I think yeah, it's the next scene. It's a scene later when he has that. Oh. All we get from him is. His story about His story, him. and it kind of ends when he says, you know, it could have been different. And that's it. That conversation he has with, with uh, Eagle the Archer is a bit later on, and wow. Carol bursts in and, and tells him to go off and but be a also, superhero. You've also got the news, uh, this breaking news being watched on the boat as well. Yeah, that's what follows on from, from Deep's confession. With Huey leaving a voicemail for Annie going, oh my God, is this you? Did we do it? Yeah. And then, and then Mother's Milk walks in and Huey's like, oh shit, <laughs> well, he's I like, did, did you? a thing. He's like, did you do this? <laughs> I did a thing. I think it was a good thing. Now I'm thinking it might have been a bad thing. Yeah, he's all happy and happy and happy until M.M.'s like right up in his face going, did you do this? And he's like, for just a, a couple of seconds, he's like, oh, oh, I'm going to die. I am so going to die. And no, M.M. is delighted with him, gives him a massive big hug and Butcher and Frenchie walk in. Frenchie comes you running in and the way he looks at the TV and then he spins around and then he like stretches out and then he just plants a big sloppy kiss on Huey's face and Huey's like, ah, get off me. <laughs> well, Huey kind of laughs about it. Yeah, and then, and then to... just kind of like subtly launches him at M.M. Like, go hug him. <laughs> and yeah. M.M.'s in the corner like fighting him off, like slap hands. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, get away from me. And uh, all, but- all Butcher can manage is a nice one. I just love the way Frenchie calls him Petit Huey. Yeah. He's like, you did this. <laughs> but it's nice to see in that scene. It's one of the, I, I know I've banged on about it an awful lot about, oh, about Huey not getting the support from the boys. Him. Yeah. But yeah, they properly stand for him here when all Butcher has to say is nice one. And M.M.'s like, no, no, that's not good enough. What the fuck? Like, yeah, we've been trying to do this for so long and he does it all on his own. And that's all you can say. And he's like, yeah, with Starlight. He's like, no, it wasn't just me. It was Starlight too. Please don't kill me. No, I think he's he doesn't want to. He's not trying to take all the credit. And also the, the other boys know from when Starlight came and rescued them that Starlight is far more on their side than she yeah. is on Vought. Butcher still wouldn't have been convinced of that. But this... Should well, surely but, convince butcher, him. Butcher's whole thing is like all soups are. Yeah, exactly. Fuck all soups. So he, I think that's why why Huey says it there is to be like, no, it was it was Starlight too. Like she hates them just as much as we yeah, do now. Yeah, she did. She's the one who got this managed to blackmail Gecko into getting the sample. She's done all the legwork. The only thing that Huey did was get her a name. Yeah, he got her the file on. And she did it. Gecko. She, she did everything and, else. But yeah, Butcher is not like, fair, all that keen. It was Huey's idea, but she kind of executed it. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. And he even says that to M.M. He's like, it was Annie. He said, all I really did was give her a little alley-oop. Yeah. And yeah, Butcher can't give it to him. No, Butcher's Because Butcher's more concerned with getting Becca back. And exposing Vought doesn't necessarily help him get Becca back. So. No. And he does kind of point out to the guys, well, yeah, that's great and all, but we still have a soup terrorist on board. And, we, and everybody's still like looking for us and the CIA are still after us and Vaud are still after us so yeah. yay like <laughs> well well done team yeah <laughs> it is it's real like fucking snide the way he's going on about it yeah and we we cut back then to a little bit more of uh, Homelander and Ryan 
And we see the two of them standing up on the roof. Well, we don't know they're on the roof initially. They're just stood there. They could be anywhere. True. He's like, just, he's been... talking about like testing his powers and stuff. And he's making some very, very big leaps in, in logic there. He's like, <laughs> you're my son. You should be able to fly. Yeah. Then take off from the ground. <laughs> yeah, but it's home, Landon. He's like, he, he, I think he thinks he needs to like shock Ryan into it. That like if he could take off from the ground, he'd have done it already in the same way that he would. Be but able nobody's to throw also a ball no, really hard. Yeah, but in fairness, nobody's told him that he has superpowers. No. Like in fairness, you don't go around as a normal person being like, "I wonder if I can fly." Oh yeah, I know, but I I think plus it's it's just it's Homelander. He has to be fucking you know dramatic about yeah. it. But yeah, he's like, "Oh, we're flying, jump off the roof," and he's like, "I don't." I don't yeah, Ryan's really like, roof. "I don't, I don't want to," and calls him dad for the first time. Like, dad, don't make me do it. Yeah, like, he's really scared. He doesn't know Oh, he is. He's terrified. And Homelander's like, oh, buddy, you, you called me dad. And, and then pushes him off, the, him off the roof. It's not even the push. It's the fact that he goes, pat, pat, pat push. Jolt. Yeah. And he and doesn't push him so much as he hurls him face down into the ground. <laughs> That's yeah. not a push. Yeah, it, like, yeah okay. It's, it's, it's more of a, more than a it's push. It's not a gentle coaxing. But, <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not, but I found it fucking funny. It like the the fall <laughs> is, it's it's because the concept and the fall is is hilarious, but he that kid hits the ground face first. Oh yeah, he hits it like a ton of bricks. But like, it's just the yeah. I, I think it's just the, the oh buddy, you can't be dad. Now I'm gonna push you off a building. <laughs> yeah, and then he's just stood there. The way I, it's it's all Homelander's responses to it. It's between the push, the scream, the splat. And yeah. then he's just stood there being like, oh, yeah. well, that didn't work. And he's looking around all like indignant, like, well, what do I do now? Yeah, I like, suppose. And he just kind of, Becca comes tearing it out of the house. Obviously. Because presumably she's just seen her child going, ah, past the window. Yeah. Hilariously. And he just kind of saunters down. He just floats down. And, and like, he's, he's like, fine. Oh, Don't cuddle him. Yeah. He'll be grand. He's my son. There's not even a scratch on him. Yeah, and you're raising him to be a pussy. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, mate. Yeah, and Ryan he's wakes not, up well, and he's, he's fine. he's not breathing. Like, well, that's the thing. Yeah, he's not breathing. He's out for a bit. And then he does, he just kind of springs back to consciousness and there's nothing wrong with him. So he does seem to have at least some super strength yeah, but in he, that. He was that was a big drop. Yeah, he was Oh, he's not dead. He's yeah. still a kid, yeah. But a normal kid, if pushed off that high, wouldn't have ah, yeah, survived some kids quite are made so well. Out of flubber, this so. is, yeah, okay. <laughs> some kids are made out of flubber. But this leads to a, a bit of a... Conf- well, obviously leads to a bit of a confrontation between Homelander and Becca. And well, he lays hands on Becca. Yeah, he grabs her the by the wrist. Point for Ryan, he t- grabs her by the wrist and is like, "He is mine." Yeah, and Ryan can see that Homelander's hurting Becca and screams, "You know, get your hands off her!" and pushes him. And Homelander gets knocked down. Yeah, he actually manages to push him off his feet and push him a good distance away, and his eyes glow as well. Yeah, when Homelander's kind of sitting back up and, and looks at Ryan, Ryan's <laughs> eyes are glowing. Sorry, the way he sat on the ground is so funny. <laughs> and yeah. I just, all I wanted was a nut shot. I was like, come on, Ryan, kick him in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. He's presenting. Laser him in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. Let's see if, you're fucking, if you can aim better than your dad. <laughs> yeah. But he he looked when Homelander sits up for a split second. He looks angry. He does. Cause I'm yeah, I'm guessing he doesn't get knocked around that often. Yeah, it's probably been a while so, since somebody's put him on his ass. So his his initial response is just 
initial response of rage and then he's like oh no wait this is my kid and he's just displayed some super strength I should not be angry I should be happy yeah he's like well done son yeah he's like well done and Ryan just screams at him to fuck off yeah and to never come back and yeah it's it's whiplashy watching Homelander because it's like what do you want exactly yeah and the first thing he does after Ryan tells him to fuck off is is basically run back to the next person that he thinks he can get love or affection off or who's Maeve who's Maeve yeah, and Maeve, it's, a, it's a little bit later well, that, that scene watch, comes in but yeah, yeah Maeve's um, watching uh, no yeah she's watching her dad talk about how he didn't know about any of this the monkey business in front of a Taco Bell wearing a Taco Bell t-shirt and hat yeah I'm pretty sure he's sponsored by Taco Bell yeah well as Maeve makes it pretty clear in her phone call to Elena that all he ever seemed to do was just take her sponsorship money and spend it on booze and gambling so it sounds like she's kind of cut him off yeah and maybe he's just got a local Taco Bell sponsorship as Maeve's dad yeah she's on the phone to Elena being like this is this is bullshit he's lying they all knew and Elena's very rightly says well they've lied to you for for years you don't yeah. know them anything this is our out yeah, this is let's how run. we can get away from this well no she says no we can't run because you know what'll happen yeah. referencing the conversation she had with Elena about Homelander and the producer from yeah the previous episode and then yeah as if to uh, illustrate that point yeah Homelander pretty much shows up immediately and he stood there with the gloves in hand looking very kind of whipped yeah crestfallen morose yeah he's he has he's he's been he thought things were going great with Ryan you know he put him to bed the night before he'd yeah. even been called dad and then he's gone and fucked it up and yeah it just seems like the first thing he tries to do is is run to somewhere he thinks he can get love and affection and when he comes up to Maeve he's like oh you know you're the person I've known the longest and the person I've known the best around here and you know I'm always going to be there for you and he starts putting on this kind of emotional ploy and and crying and being like oh life you know and he's patting her hand really aggressively and she's sat there being kind of like okay where are we going going with this and then as quick as anything he goes who's Elena yeah and lucky for her she's able to use Oh, she's an old friend. Well, she says she gets that out really quick and Homelander doesn't buy it because he's like, since when do you have friends? And luckily she's got an excuse because she says she needs to vent about all this bullshit. And he's He's like, like, what "What bullshit? bullshit?" (laughs) She's like, have you not Where have you been? Yeah, where the fuck have you been? Cue him storming off. But yeah, he storms off. But I think we just, we skipped over there. There's a small scene in between those where... Frenchie goes to see Kimiko's brother. Oh, yeah. Sorry, because it's all, all the revelation stuff about V does interlink and you're getting a yeah, number of back and different forth. Uh, reactions to it. Mm. The most da- telling being the, the one in Stan Edgar's office, which happens after that, which is brilliant. Yeah, that is a bit later on in the episode. But they're very, very important very short but very, very important sequence happens back on the boat with Frenchie and Kimiko's yeah. brother. Yeah, he goes to see him to... Essentially, he wants to learn the sign language yeah. that he uses, that, that Kimiko and and Kenji, I think, is what his name is actually supposed to be. But yeah, Frenchie wants to learn the sign language so he can communicate with Kimiko. Mm. And we get a nice little bit of Kimiko backstory from Kenji as well there. Oh, about how she hasn't spoken since the day her parents were murdered. Yeah. And, and they, they were taken. 
and they develop this line, sign language as basically a way to, to survive and get through it. And Frenchie is like trying to butter them up with cheesy puffs. Cheese puffs and, cheesy and knock puffs. off Red Bull. And knock, I do not, why? Why? Why would you give a super villain or a superhero or a super whatever a fucking energy drink if you're trying to stop them escaping? Yeah, no, like... That's what you want. Yeah, water would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, Kimiko gave him water earlier. What was wrong with that? No. <clears throat> yep. We're going to give him some knockoff fucking Homelander brand. Turbo thing. Rush is what it's called. Like, but, why would you give a superhero or a supervillain? Oh, number one, no, did they even need it? But to give them to somebody who's already got like super strength and shit? Yeah, probably not the best idea. No. As it turns out, not the reason why he escapes. No, but still it's not a not good idea. It's not the contents of the can, yeah. it's the can itself. I know. Also, the, why does he leave it up out like because your man's got chains around his wrists chains around his ankles he's kind of propped up he got the big mittenny hands yeah he's got his duct tape mittens his big mittenny hands going on and he's like oh here's some cheese puffs and he opens the bag but like what's he gonna do just like smush it between the two mittenny hands and just like throw it at his face yeah and yeah but he leaves it so far away from him that he couldn't get to it anyway yeah even so if it's, he wanted it's to. pointless leaving it in the room other the- than <laughs> as a means as a means to escape which has happened before when Huey gave Translucent a glass of water yeah and left him the cup and left him the cup and he peed into it and threw it on the battery yeah and this time Frenchie leaves Kenji with the a energy metal, drink yeah. and he's got he's this, by this point he's managed to like wriggle one finger free yeah, or it wear it like down like off the rubbed, chains yeah rubbed a hole through and it he's and he's got like get, one finger yeah. that he's like <laughs> yeah, he desperately finger. concentrates and uses his finger to to bring the can closer to him and tears it open and uses that to cut through the to rest cut through it. the rest of it and he frees himself. And the next scene where we're back on the boat after the chat between Elena and or say Maeve and Homelander, yeah, is the NYPD helicopter showing up. But yeah, the helicopter shows up and says uh, this boat's stolen, <laughs> and the boys are. Surprised, but not really surprised like, that Butcher oh, stole the boat. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you told us that this was a friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah, Butcher tries to give the cops some bullshit excuse. I am the captain of my big wet dream. <laughs> yeah. And I have papers here signed stating that it's a lease. And But the thing is, we don't know. We never get any sort of conclusion on that ruse because there's an anchor being launched at his head. <laughs> yep. So that could have worked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, also they're worked. taking numerous photos of them and mm. it, he comes barreling up from below decks. Kind of wish MM hadn't pushed Butcher out of the way. <laughs> that he got the anchor in the back of the head. Yeah, a little bit. Well, he, he narrowly avoids it twice because MM pushes him out of the way from the anchor. And then when Kimiko and Frenchie are trying to overpower Kenji, he He's tries trying... to force power MM and Butcher off the boat. And yeah. Kimiko pushes his arm to the side. And that's what causes them to, to knock the helicopter out of the air. Yeah, because it's a bit chaotic. But they're like, grab his hand. And boom, bye-bye, police helicopter. Yeah. Now you're on top of your laundry list of crimes. Now you're wanted for the deaths of three, four <laughs> individuals and destruction of police property. Well, they don't know. At this point, nobody will have necessarily known it was them, but they certainly yeah. know. And poor El Huey cannot handle the idea of just leaving them behind without even trying to rescue them. Yeah, so he throws of, in a life rank. Yeah. There's a little <laughs> bit of good that'll do. And they're like, right, we're out here. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Bye-bye. But at least he... I mean, it's not much of a rescue effort, but it's better than doing nothing, I suppose, yeah. by leaving the lifesaver behind. But um, yeah, so that 
you can see that has definitely kind of had an effect on Huey. He's like that they had like those guys in that helicopter just got killed because Butcher stole the boat. Not for any other reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? They basically they came near us and they got fucking killed. So he's Butcher then is like on the phone to Mallory desperate and is like, We've been we've been made and she's like, Well, you know, if you hadn't taken out a helicopter Yeah. We'd be able to do more time and you have to bring him in. Yeah, you have to bring him to a safe house. Yeah, we can't come to you. You have to bring him in. Mallory must still have some serious fucking sway. Whatever about sending a couple of agents to pick up a potential soup terrorist. Now she has still been able to get... You know, they've just killed two police officers and taken out a helicopter. Yeah. And the CIA are still like okay we'll, we'll still go ahead with the plan but you need to alter it a little bit so people won't find out where yeah involved. well he's still more valuable to them oh yeah but she must have good sway left yeah. in, the, in the department but, but they're yeah they change change course and have to bring him in now yeah so they have to go back to land which isn't fun that's when we get the conversation between the Eagle deep and, and Eagle the yeah. etcher about, about post-mating pizza and you know you don't know anything about me and Carol comes in and says that, that the deeps you know oh, time have, has finally come we have your way back into the seven and hands him something with footage on it and she's like that's from Alistair and he's like oh yeah that's great who the hell is Alistair and they're like oh my god Alistair Adair he's like he's Alistair sit- Adana he's the, the, he sits, sits in, in the, the first, first chair. chair he's the head of the church and it's the, it just seems like the church is just jumped at the opportunity they're like oh look hang on Vought are in a real position of weakness we have a former member of the seven here let's do yeah. let's push him into the limelight right now as much as we can because as it turns out what they've shown him or what they've given him is information on where the boys are yeah but before we find that out is when we see that beautiful panic scene back at Vought of oh. all the Minstan's office but you've, you've, you're getting the news from that you know that they're crashing in the stock market and yeah. the, the pharmaceuticals Pfizer. is going down <laughs> Pfizer's pulling out with the are backing off their agreements because of their ethical issues. Yeah, and then Edgar's, stock market trading every, gets halted on their shares. Yeah, because they're bottoming out. And Edgar's sitting there being very, very calm and he's being lo- told his options. Yeah, but he's looking at, at these photos that have come off the helicopter of this terrorist. Like when she they're like, Oh, here's your two options is deny, it's high risk, high reward, and you're fucked if they get called out. Yeah. Or release a statement. Yeah, saying and he's that we like did know. option three. <laughs> yeah. Then you see him up on ninety nine addressing the superheroes and being like and it's such a corporate bullshit address as well. He's like, yeah. We're a family and we need yeah, to we're do the family this as a family. Yeah. And Homelanders they're going, Actually, no, we don't owe you anything. We're yeah. not Vought yeah Homelander tries to capitalise on it and be like no Vought have fucked us over Vought have hidden all this from us we don't owe you anything we don't need Vought we are the superheroes and and has his little fucking even though he's the cause of all of this oh yeah 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 totally but it's 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 pure Homelander to just try and capitalise on it oh yeah and he gives it the whole you know companies come and go but talent talent is forever which tickles um, Stormfront's fancy um, I think oh it tickles her taint a little bit it does yeah I think Stormfront's just a little bit like oh hang on this, this I might be able to work this into my own agenda which we still don't know what her which, agenda and, is yet like, as they're leaving the big seven conference room she's like well I didn't expect you to be all fuck fight and he's like well maybe you don't know me that well and yeah like, maybe I don't yeah so he says you know yeah we're gonna go after the super terrorist not because Vought want us to but because we're superheroes and, and that's what superheroes do yeah and also because Homelander doesn't want anybody finding out that he created all the super terrorists no, <laughs> no he doesn't want that at all either but it's fun to see because 
it's also kind of a fuck you to Edgar. Oh, it's definitely for a fuck you to Edgar. how he had spoke to him in the uh, previous yeah. episode. Edgar was bang on in that conversation as well because he said it's only a matter of time before V goes public now. Yeah, and within two episodes of that conversation, V's gone public. Yeah. So this is Edgar's option C, which is we're going to change the narrative and we're yep. going to change the news cycle from, yes, this has come out, but it's out there now and we have to stop it. Yeah, exactly. So and it, there's a lot of spin going on. Yeah, he's going to get the narrative all about the supervillain. Uh, but yeah, that leads us back then to, to the boys and Deep's appearance. Well, we don't see the Deep for straight away, but we do see uh, a lot of dolphins. Aquatic friends, dolphins, sharks, whatever. A lot of fins rocking yeah. up. Something grabbed. Something's knocked the boat a couple of times. Yeah, there's a hole in the boat. It's been scuttled. So yes, they get yeah. into the little small one on the back, which is also still quite a nice size. And, yeah. and off they go in the speedboat to try and escape the... Oh. the also, I just love the fact that he put that butcher pulls like some mad high-powered assault rifle out of somewhere and just like starts randomly shooting <laughs> at the ocean. Yeah, but we get what is probably the most talked about bit of this season oh Lucy and yeah poor poor Lucy getting a speedboat rammed clean into her yeah well number one they're being chased by an awful lot of marine life they're heading for a storm drain yeah, they're like there's a storm drain off. just fucking go for it and he pulls up as a barricade but they don't slow down and his face when he stood up on him and he's all like in the pose doing the pose yeah and then he realises that they're not stopping and he does his like little hunched up ninja pose. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to do? Bra- rather than just jumping off the whale, he kind of stands on top of it and like braces for impact. Yeah. And, and <laughs> impact impact does happen. I feel really bad for Huey. He was in the very front of that boat. Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's one half, yeah. I could have I done without the whale noises. In oh, pain, God. In fairness. That was a bit much for my <laughs> taste. But yeah, no, that, that's that, but that, that kind of sums me up in a tea. Ryan getting pushed off the building. Hilarious. Fucking hilarious. Whale noises dying. No, that's a bit too much yeah, for me. Yeah, that, that one hurt. At least the <laughs> dolphin was quick. But it does lead to a couple of really nice moments because that that's... Huey is done now. Huey is... Do you blame him? No, I say Huey is inside a whale. He's like, everything is fucked. I've lost everything. You know, we've just killed some cops and now I am inside a whale. Yeah. And he does not want to go anywhere. He is, yeah. He's reached his limit. That is it. He is out. And you can... He is going home. You can really see it when he's just like, no, I'm, you know, he's the blank talking stare. to Butcher. It's, it's, it's all the blank stare. No, I'm just going to stay here. Yeah, no, I know. It's fine. But the second Butcher lays a hand on him, he absolutely freaks. Yeah. And is like screaming at the top of his lungs. And he's not even trying to hit him. He's just flailing everywhere to keep him away. Yeah. And Butcher's like, okay, well, fair enough. I've been covered in more gore yeah. since I met you. <laughs> so Butcher buggers off and it's up to MM to save Huey. And he just gets in and sits there next to him. Yeah, says, well, look, if you're getting caught, I'm getting caught too. Yeah. Because he knows that's that's probably the only thing that well, Huey really has left, but is, is his sense of morality. Part of the reason that he's so upset right now is because they didn't do anything after the helicopter crash. Yeah. And he knows that Huey, whatever, he's like, I don't care what happens to me, but he won't let something bad happen to the people he cares about. So when was like, fine, you stay, I stay. And it convinces them to kind of move along. And we get M.M. further being an all-around good guy and heart of the group when he gives his canary speech to Butcher. Yeah, he's like, that kid's your canary. That kid's your conscious. He's your Jiminy Kirkett. You need him because you don't have any limits. Yeah, you have no limits. And, and if you... If you kill you him, know when you've you gone need too him. Far. Yeah, you kill your canary. Yeah, and it's it, it's never... That speech is never explicitly said in the comics, but the, the sense of it is there. And that's kind of 
towards the end of the comics you find out that is very much yeah. why Billy brings Huey in is not just because he's he's had somebody taken from him as well it is because he, he he's the canary he's a moral barometer for him yeah but they take off into the storm tunnels all covered in gore yeah and well the canary speech is in is, is in the tunnels yeah. but that's that's kind of the last we hear from them in that scene and it cuts back to the the seven showing up as deep as morning Lucy yeah well deep got thrown off and knocked out for a bit yeah and he's like crying and hugging the whale I mean like I'm so sorry I promise we'll harvest your blubber that line cracked me up because it's it's barely audible I know it's barely audible but yeah he's like I promise we'll harvest all your blubber I just love the way they just walk around the end of it in a group like they don't they don't even like fly in like some of them don't even fly in they just all like saunter up like hi why yeah, yeah they, they just kind of rock up from off camera like did they get out of a minivan <laughs> yeah. like, like it's got that real feel to it like that they get especially dirty. especially considering the way um, Stormfront often shows up you know landing and using the lightning to yeah. slow down her landing like no this time they just rock up like yeah, yeah. we walked here yeah and uh, Annie and Deep have a bit of a confrontation. Yeah. Understandably. Well, the Homelander, first of all, is like, where are they? And he's like, oh, they killed it and they're taking off. They haven't gone too far. And then he turns around to give his script, his his whole response to Annie and about, what is it, refinding his light? Retain, yeah, re- renewing his, his light. And, you know, he knows what he did is unforgivable. And, and what he did to female people and, and this and the other. And it is, it's totally scripted. And he's like, but he actually genuinely believes that's, it as well. Yeah, that's it's, what I, it's kind of, sorry, He's me. such a well-meaning idiot that, you know, he, he wants to be able to apologise. Well, I think he wants yeah. to be able to genuinely apologise to Starlight. He knows after his, like, psychic or his hallucinogenic tea episode, between he's that and the, the and the gill banging, yeah, he's come to the realization that he can't treat people. Like he can't that. treat people like that, and the reason he treated people like that was actually kind of a weird defense mechanism because that was how he was afraid yeah, of being treated. He, he would lash out and but, hurt people before they had a chance to hurt him. Yeah, but God love him, he doesn't have the vocabulary to properly say. He doesn't have the brain power. <laughs> yeah, to properly he's, say he's just he's a, sorry. an idiot. He's, so yeah. he he uses the church script for saying he's sorry. He which uses the prom- media managed yeah. script for saying he's sorry. Which, which prompts the uh, brilliant line Stormfront being like, what did you do? Join the Church of Collective? And he's like, I yeah, prefer so his, what? No, I prefer his response. As funny as her line is, it's like, Jesus, you sound like you joined the Church of the Collective. His response of, hey, new girl, easy on the religious persecution, okay? <laughs> I cracked up at that. I and then just turns back around. The way he delivers it is just like, uh, come on, like, hang on. Yeah. I'm trying to be nice here. But that's the first time that you get an, an idea that the Church of the Collective is kind of well known outside of its own or that she knows she seems to always know a lot more about what's going on. Yeah. She knows about the Church of the Collective. None of the rest of them have. He's never heard of it. It seems to be like this really weird, nefarious kind of organization. Well, yeah, they're Scientology. Yeah, no, I know they are. <laughs> But, um, but for her to make that comment as well just seems to add to this list of weird shit that she seems to know yeah she about. she yeah she's got a lot an awful lot of insider knowledge we find out later as well in in, in the series why she has that yeah. insider knowledge but, but you're getting all these little like things that she knows more about than anybody else yeah they head off into the tunnels after the apologies but not before Homelander well he sends them all off and he's like oh if you find him he's mine and as they're all leaving, that's when they're all out of earshot. That's when he turns around to the Jeep and is like, oh, your wetsuit's ripped, cover it up, your gill is shown. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And you do feel for the Jeep then. You're like, oh no, he's just had this like major breakthrough. Yeah. 
And he thinks... And to be told again by somebody who he respected that it's disgusting. Yeah, and you can really see it And he's not let go with them either. He, he still looks at Homelander like the, the coolest big brother ever because when Homelander turns around to him actually to go, he's like, you know, cool, you, you know, just chill back here. You still have a little bit more work to do with the ladies, but you'll be back. And Deep's like, really, really? I'll be back? I'll be back? And Homelander's like, yeah, whatever, I'm sure. And then drops the line about the gills, but you can see it is it deeps like no, not not Homeland like Homelander thinks oh, yeah. and no, it you is do. It's, you it's, feel really sorry. Yeah, I I did. I felt sorry for him. Yeah, like we've said a couple of times, he's, he's it doesn't excuse how he acted in the past, but yeah, he's, he's trying. trying. He's trying to be better. He's trying. He is. He is trying his best. Like you know. Yeah, and then we we finally get a bit of a confrontation between the boys and some members of the seven in the tunnels they're all they've all kind of spread out you've you've got the conversation going on between mm and butcher but then huey runs into star starlight's going along being all like glowy eyed Mm. to try and see what she's doing and comes across huey who's like oh you got my message and then she oh we never talked about his message well well he left oh yeah Yeah, well hey look there's so much in this episode we're not going to cover everything if we forget a few things he leaves her a voicemail when he thinks he's going to die saying that everyone deserves a second chance no no he's he he basically talks about the Billy Joel oh, video oh, and how he's he a thought. second wind yeah and she's his second wind and it's quite sweet and he lays it all out there and when he meets her in the tunnel he's like oh you got my message and then she just laser blasts him or hand blasts him <laughs> yep. which not exactly the, the response you're expecting to that but she does it for a very good reason and that's because Homelander's walking up behind him yep. and Homelander sees him and is like what the fuck this guy again yeah, seriously? like does he have a magic dick does he have beer flavoured nipples like <laughs> what is it with this guy you know here's an idea to kill him <laughs> yeah, and she tries to say it's you know I had no idea, and he's like, well look, let's let's put it to the test, shall we? You can do something for me, and he basically says, kill Huey. Yeah, yeah, no, we're gonna kill him because he keeps popping up again, and he's being a pain in the hole. Yeah, and this this will show me for sure that you're on our side. Yeah. The rest of the boys overhear this because they're hiding around a corner, and Butcher is like, well, I don't think Butcher wants to leave him. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Up, up to this point. He kind of looks at the rest of them like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, what do, what do we do? Yeah, but that's it. It's what do we do? Up to this episode, I would have... Like, any he would have walked episode, away from him. He would have walked away. I think, yeah, he's just after but getting slapped down after with the, mother's milk. Yeah, after the be... canary speech and seeing that he did the stuff with the V and seeing how M.M. and Frenchie have been so protective of him in the last two episodes, he's finally rounded a bit of a corner and, yeah, he doesn't need to be told to save Huey. He's like, how do we save Huey? Yeah. Is the look that's on his face. You're right. So as Huey's kind of closing his eyes and you've got the Billy Joel song building up again. And it's it's nice because, yeah, Homelander says, look, either you kill him or I kill you both. Yeah. And Huey has this look on his face of, well, like, look, if I have to die, I'm happy to die. If it saves you, we've already exposed V. So in some sense, I've gotten justice for Robin. Yeah. So he, he has this. Yeah. He's like, he's like, OK, well, look, if I have to die now, I'll die now. Yeah. I, yeah. And it, it's nice. Butcher rocks in and is like, oi, cunt. And the Homelander's, Homelander's like, response is better. William? Yeah. William. <laughs> turns around and looks at him. Hello. Well, no, I'm surprised I to had see you breakfast here. with your wife this morning. Yeah. Immediately tries and, to get the dig in. Yeah. And if he, mmm, pancakes, yummy, yummy, yum. 
And you just, I always just wonder what that scene would play like if Butcher hadn't told them that Becca was alive. Could you imagine, like, if he had just been like, I had breakfast with your wife this morning, and Butcher was like, ah, and the rest of we were like, yeah. Becca? Excuse me, what did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a good thing he actually came clean about something, because that could have totally bitten him in the ass. Actually, you raise a very good point, and it's something that does annoy me about other shows, uh, and you'll get it as soon as I say, particularly Supernatural. Supernatural has a lot of forced drama about one main character hiding knowledge or a secret from the other oh main character. Oh my god, they have entire seasons of that. <laughs> you don't get that in this. I commented on it in the first season when I was saying it was really no, nice every, that Annie, everything Annie comes and out Huey, in the wash. So Huey finds out that Annie is Starlight very early on. It takes ages in the comics. Yeah. And they don't do that forced drama. And like you said just now, he could have held all that Becca information back for quite a few episodes and they could have had some fake force drama around that but no the episode well he's he's only in the first episode for a tiny bit so effectively in the first episode he's back in the second season he tells everybody that yeah his, that life, that his wife is alive he tells yeah. all the boys and he tells Mallory yeah so yeah I do I really like that they don't create force well, drama there's around there's drama going on exactly. without it having to be there yeah yeah no but the little the digs there from Homelander about having breakfast with his wife and they basically are like yeah well eat this <laughs> like do your thing looking at Kimiko's brother who I actually thought initially it was a train like a subway train so did I um, now I think it was like it's one of those bendy buses yeah yeah I think it well, that it must he pulls have been because... down because he pulls down it looks like the road that he pulls down and it just happens to be when there was a bus so he basically yeah. pulls a whole load of stuff down and there's and a car hanging through the hall that was the thing that made me kind of go hang on if they're supposed to be really far underground how and then was like oh it's a bus yeah oh. and then when he jumps when Kenji escapes yeah, out the hall after out. flattening Homelander yeah he's straight out and onto the street and yeah. we get a hell of a fucking scene yeah between well well Kimiko goes after Kimiko him after. but it focuses it shifts entirely to Kimiko and the brother and he's going let me go and she's going please don't leave me yeah I love and you I love you please don't go anywhere and then Stormfront is just like hi guys yeah and sends the both of them in through the side of a wall about three stories up or four stories in up through, on into an apartment block apartment block and this is where we really get to see a little bit of the true Stormfront. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it looks like it's like part of Queens or something and she, like that. When Stormfront comes into the apartment that the two guys have been thrown through, there's a black family there and they're screaming and they're afraid. And she fires the dad of the family against the wall for no reason. Well, like she throws them in through the window, then she gets in and she looks at them and there's her eyes flash and you can just see her being like, ugh. Yeah, there's a look of like disgust. It's pure disgust and, then, and just, ugh, look at you. You're yeah, like, she, knocks, she knocks Kimiko out. Well, she throws, her, she throws him through, throws her through a wall. Yeah. And she throws him through a wall and instead of going out after them, because the family are screaming, she just decides to destroy them. Well, they haven't even, I think after... If they Basi- don't, okay, well, basically, they don't start properly she, screaming yeah. until they, she knocks the dad off. She the kills wall. them all for no and reason. Then, yeah, her eyes go black, and we hear her killing no, her them all. Her eyes don't go black. You can see lightning in them. Did they? Yes. Well, they look dark to me. No, they go all like blind. sparkly, like with the lightning. Okay. Yeah. Her, you know, like uh, Stormfront's lightning is kind of purply. You're going to have to take my word for it. I forgot you're colorblind. Yeah. 
Yeah, her eyes, her pupils show the little like lightning. It looks like the those plasma balls. Yeah, that's what her eyes look like. So th- when she looks at them initially, you get that flare. Yeah, and then after she throws them through, she's got climbing through the wall after she's beaten the dad off the fridge. Yeah, when she turns back, her eyes are glowing like that again, and yeah. you get the you just hear he's you, it cuts to him outside trying to scramble up and run away, and you can hear them all scree- screaming. And, and a big, just, and it's the screaming stops. Yeah, and he's trying to run, and she's chasing him, and then Kimiko jumps on her back and smashes her into the wall a couple of times. Yeah, they the two of them, and they proceed then up the, stairs, up the stairs. And as Stormfront follows them, she passes just a random black guy on the stairs, looks at him, and then we see an outside shot, and he comes flying out the window. Yeah, she the just building, launches him clean out of a window, and then and then we see absolute destruction. Portland in the building. must have been delighted to get rid of her. Yeah, I was saying that when we were watching it, like that. that she did. If, she basically how that building is still standing at yeah, the end if, of it because there is explosions, there's lightning, there's stuff thrown out of it. You could just hear screaming because it's just panning up the outside of the building. And I think it's far more effective than following them through mm. as it pans up and it's just this scale of destruction. Yeah, oh, it is. It's it's just that carnage. It and they get they come out onto the roof and they're trying to run and he makes it onto another roof, but she catches Kimiko. Yeah and she's sitting she's straddling her and very slowly looks like she's trying to break her neck off the edge yeah, of the building you can hear the kind of slow yeah she's crunch. doing it very very slowly and she's taking great pleasure in it yeah as well and then he comes back he could have just left at that point he realises no it's his sister he comes back he rugby tackles her out of it yeah and she gets the better Stormfront gets the better of him oh she gets him by the wrist snaps his hands off chokes him out and is like look at me look at me I want to see the light go out in your eyes and calls him a yellow bastard and snaps his neck so if you had any illusions as to Stormfront being a good person, um, yeah, no, she totally gets a clue when she's, yes. when she's because uh, strangling him. In the comics, Stormfront, it, for starters, is, is a guy and is very obviously a Nazi in the comics. It's never hidden. Oh, his so, chest plate in the comic is basically the Fury Eagle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we knew coming into it when there was a character called Stormfront, she's probably going to be a Nazi. Yeah. Or at least a big horrible racist. And I kind of wish we didn't because I think a lot of people were the, were the really taken yeah were yeah. really taken in by the bait and switch. Well, it's not even really a bait and switch, but but by this turn in her because for the first episode and the second episode, well, the first episode she's given Maeve and Homelander stick. The second episode you see her being all like edgy and cocky and and like anti-establishment, and a load of people loved it. And then they saw this episode and were yeah. like, whoa, oh no, I don't like her. Oh no, 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 no. Kimiko unfortunately has to watch her break her brother's neck yeah and she's about to go for her when Homelander lands down on the roof as well not very happy and is like I told you that was mine and she's like well you snooze you lose grandpa <laughs> yeah and strolls off after that then we see the kind of there's a TV um, spot another TV spot and it's Stan Edgar finally addressing Oh yeah, in front of the backdrop of of Samaritans and Bryce giving charitable aid to the victims of this terrible super villain attack on a low income housing community. Mm. And Homelander is just burning, like he is staring at the back of her head. Yeah. While the rest of them give out aid to these people who they've hurt in the first Mm. place. And you get the, yeah, the, the basically, they go Madeline Stilwell's dead, so we're going to throw her under the bus and say that it was a rogue group which led by her. Seems like a really flimsy excuse because, okay, Stan said that it, they're a pharmaceutical company and V is their number one product. That's true. 
but the public don't know that. Yeah. As far as the public are concerned, their number one product is superheroes. Yeah. So how could a small rogue group have of scientists led have by scientists Snow have created the whole concept of the company and made it so super famous if nobody it's a it's a it's a weak sauce fucking excuse. Yeah. But I think again that just shows how brazen they are, where they're like, No, we can we can probably get around it. We'll blame Stillwell we'll blame Vogelbaum or whoever and we'll just say that us well I'm just a I'm a businessman I have I don't, I'm not a scientist I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't have known anything about this and that's what Stan says is he says I couldn't have known anything about this no but then they're also he's also like well the superheroes are already out there fighting so like we can't put yeah, it and, back and, and we need them and proof that we need them is what happened today and as horrible as it was, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's it's pure like you know tokenism, and it's thoughts and prayers. Yeah. And then Stormfront gets up, and that's is that Stormfront's official introduction into the Seven? Like that's her public introduction in the same way that Starlight got inducted in the first episode ah. at the at the the Vought shareholders meeting. I think that because he introduces her as the newest, you know, and the person who who saved the day today, and the newest member of the Seven is Stormfront. I think I, that is yeah. her public introduction at the aftermath of the fucking massacre that she's just created and then she has the gall to get up and say that the true heroes are the people that she's just whose lives she's just ruined yeah oh it's so despicable it really is oh yeah it is she's a horrible person and the boys are sitting back in their compound with the Haitian kings sitting around a couch watching all this unfold on the TV just seething now I will I will say Butcher showed remarkable extreme restrained by not turning around to Huey and being like I told you so and but they do a, exchange a look of you were right and he's like I yeah. know I was but I wish I wasn't yeah and even kind of it's towards Kimiko there's a bit of a she's so mad yeah that's like now personal personal vendetta for her mm. oh yeah she she just the sight of Stormfront is going to set her off from now on but that's that's where the episode leaves off and yeah we're just kind of left with like well fuck everything the boys had like it started off great V was uncovered yeah they, they had, were winning they, yeah they had a super terrorist that they were going to hand off to the CIA they were going to get Becca back and Vought were about to get taken down because everybody knows about V come the end of the episode super terrorist is dead Vought Their seemed to have managed gone. to spun stuff around and yeah Butcher currently has no way to get his wife back so yeah two steps forward four steps back yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I, I really like this episode. I really like this episode. I, I don't I struggle to find anything that I, I disliked about it except for maybe again an awful lot of the use of like T V for exposition. Yeah, but it's the the kind of episode that it is you needed. Those exposition dumps need to be put in somewhere. Well but also in this episode it did actually serve the purpose of the story. It yeah. wasn't just in there to tell us information. The whole point was this is how information the, the, is being yeah, uh, in world disseminated yeah, in world. In world this is a huge media event because you know it's a massive scandal about the biggest corporation in the world so they would be all over the TV. Yeah, you know? it would be on everything and like you've got stock market crashing and things but like, like that. But like you said it, it feels like a short episode but I think that's just because it's so snappy and everything one thing scene leads into the next with no there's no dead weight in this episode I didn't there's think. very little levity in this episode as well apart from Ryan being thrown off the roof but there's and, oh and the, the dawn of the seven scene oh the dawn of the seven scene is about <laughs> the only bit that it's actually funny there's a bit I noticed actually when Ashley goes to talk to Edgar at the very start and when he walks off and tells her just to make sure that the monkey the idiot the infants on 99 don't fuck anything up and she starts to play with the hair yeah that's where the hair playing starts Mm. which becomes a thing later on 
and it's it's kind of the beginning of Ashley's it's it the start of the cracks as well she realises just how much she is in between a rock and a hard place now because she's just heard Stan say you know about Homelander he's like I, I know you don't know where he is and he'll find out when I want him to find out so Stan's basically been like I'm keeping things from Homelander and you don't need to worry about it and Homelander's like I'm keeping things from Stan and you don't need to worry you know what I mean yeah. they both both of them want complete power and are trying to use Ashley to satiate the other side kind of thing poor Ashley and yeah poor Ashley's just stuck in the middle but um, this I think probably my favourite episode so far of the series yeah is really highly rated as well it's a 9.1 on IMDb mm. no it is it's, it's a good episode Dark said my critique is that I, it does feel extremely short but going through it there is a lot in it and a lot to take in throughout that it, it is a very fast paced because it only seems to take place over say like two or three hours yeah it's a very short period it of time it is and almost like in pace with a couple of little jumps like you've got the the little time jump then at the very end when they they go to Smartens Embrace yeah that's to that to sequence. the end of the day kind of thing you know that's the only thing about it it does it's almost like an episode of 24 but no enjoyable it's nice to see like them kind of winning for once a yeah, little well, bit at least a, at least a little bit a I little mean bit. obviously Kimiko didn't win anything no poor El Kimiko is the worst off at the end of this mm. episode well Kenji's the worst off at the end of this episode. Yeah. But still better than a CIA black site. Yeah, true, I suppose. But I think we should probably leave it there for today. So guys, thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Rantsmono. You can send us an email to monorantspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will be back next week with season two, episode four. Bye bye. <laughs>